Welcome to Different From The Other Kids, a weekly podcast for parents of challenging children with your host, Angela Sunis, author of the Amazon best-selling book, Different From The Other Kids. Each week, Angela interviews an individual or professional within the mental health community. Wanted to start with an article from BP Magazine, which is Bipolar Magazine. And it's from May the 5th, 2016, Volume 9, Issue 18. And it starts with a title that says, Wellness Starts With We. Let me just read this to you. It's not just about being bipolar and requiring a we or coping as a team, but I believe any kind of mental health struggle can be certainly aided by the help of a team and let me just walk you through the way that these guys have talked about it and then I'll walk you through the way that Christina's utilized it and we'll give you an idea of what this team or this we means. Tackling bipolar disorder often takes a team effort. That's one reason why Mental Health America is providing a worksheet on positive supports as part of its Mental Health Month 2016 toolkit. For starters, that involves listing people in your life who can be helpful when you're feeling off balance. For example, someone you can call who will just listen, someone to hang out with even though you have low energy, or someone to take a slow walk with. Mental Health America also recommends arranging for an emergency support person who knows what to do and who to call when you're in a crisis. Some things that person might need to know. Contact info for your psychiatrist and your psychotherapist, the hospital of your choice, and any medications you take. The family members and friends who are your positive supports are the day-to-day players on your wellness team. The rest of the squad would be the professionals who provide your care, from psychiatrists to occupational therapists, and all the better if they work together in a true team fashion. When medical and mental health specialists coordinate their efforts, ideally with a nurse or social worker as a case manager, that's known as collaborative care. Collaborative care is an approach that has been shown to have better outcomes than care as usual. I will tell you that is absolute for Christina, especially she's been coming off her medication. She now has a naturopathic doctor that she sees regularly who has recommended her to a regular GP that she can coordinate with. That's a general practitioner. She also has a stretch therapist who is actually an energy healer. She has her psychotherapist that she can call. She has the psychiatrist also in her arsenal. And then she also, of course, has uh, has her mom uh, very engaged. Uh, but these are all really important supports for anybody who has a mental health challenge. So keep that in mind. Don't let the stigma get to you and don't hide your head in the sand. Try and make sure that you have some of these supports available. It is exhausting, but it is absolutely worth it and certainly helps uh, the person who's having the issue or challenge to feel a little safer in the world. So I have a long intro for somebody today because he is uh, such an expert in his field. He is a lawyer with Pinto Ray James. His name is Patrick James, and he is a partner in that firm. And I'm just going to read directly off something that I downloaded from their website to give you some background on Patrick before he enters into this conversation of uh, justice and human rights and being an advocate for your child. So let me start with the first intro off the bat here for from his from the Pinto Ray James website. Uh, 
Patrick is a civil litigation, workplace law, and administrative law practitioner who also possesses extensive experience advising clients with respect to government relations and strategies. So I'm going to be paraphrasing here a little bit, guys, so bear with me. Patrick is currently the appointed vice chair of the editorial board for Just Magazine, the official publication of the Ontario Bar Association, which is circulated to over 17,000 lawyers and judges in Ontario. He formerly served as a member of the Ontario Bar Association Executive, the Ontario Bar Association Council, and the Ontario Bar Association Public Affairs Committee. He previously sat on the Ontario Bar Association's Wrongful Dismissal Task Force and on the Board of Directors of the Society of Sharing, which is a charitable organization. Patrick has extensive experience speaking and chairing various continuing legal education seminars, conferences, and webinars relating to workplace law, legal practice and management, administrative law, and human rights hosted by organizations including the University of Toronto, Osgoode Hall Law School, the Canadian Institute, the Ontario Bar Association, the Human Rights Professionals Association, and the Commons Institute. Prior to joining Pinto Ray James, Patrick served for several years as a senior advisor to the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, the Minister of National Defence, the Minister of Veterans Affairs, and the Ontario Minister of Economic Development and Trade. Let's just say Patrick is the guy to go to if you have any kind of a human rights issue with your child, with anybody in your life, let me give you his contact information before we get started. Telephone number at the firm is 416-642-0460. His extension is 216 and his email is pjames at pinto, P-I-N-T-O, Ray, W-R-A-Y, James, J-A-M-E-S dot com. Without further ado, drum roll, please. With that extensive bio, let's get started with Patrick James. Wanted to ask why this kind of law? There's usually a little bit of a personal story as to why somebody becomes an advocate of some kind. I know I have my own personal story. Are you? Would you be comfortable sharing that with us. Thank you. Um, when, when I was young in the school system myself, I had friends who had various degrees of various disabilities, uh, both physical and mental. And uh, at the time in the early 80s, uh, there wasn't very much understanding of uh, or support for kids with disability. Often kids were either in the mainstream schooling uh, with the other kids Sometimes they were segregated and identified as, as kids requiring special special help or, or, or were segregated with special ed. I knew at the time, without the expertise, that, uh, that there was a problem with the system because I saw many good and smart kids marginalized because they had some form of physical or mental disability and, and the school board didn't have a stream uh, or a way to, to assist them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know from my experience, uh, many outcomes where smart kids with disabilities ended up not completing their education, uh, whether that be high school, many of them dropped out, or whether it was college or university, simply because they didn't have the support. So that would definitely be one of the main factors that uh, influenced me to become a human rights lawyer. I would imagine in this day and age, because there are so many children now presenting and young adults presenting with mental health issues, that your firm is getting a little bit busier on the mental health side than the physical side, physical disability side. Could you describe that a little bit to us? Is that a, 
in your firm? Is that kind of, are you representing 50-50 or is there a bigger split than that? And which way does it go? Because of the increased awareness of individuals and kids with mental disabilities uh, these days, the, the education that flows from that is, is making more people aware of their rights and making them realize that uh, individuals with disabilities have a right to equal treatment uh, despite their disability. And um, that awareness is resulting in more and more parents with, with children with disabilities and other adults with disabilities seeking out legal assistance, understanding human rights and, and the right that they're they have the right not to be subjected to any form of discrimination or differential treatment on the basis of disability, and standing up uh, and, and, and attempting to avail themselves of, of the law to protect them from being marginalized, whether that be through the educational system, whether that be in the workplace, whether that be in uh, when they seek out the services of, of government or uh, private companies, or when they seek accommodation, accommodation being housing. Just so that our listeners are very clear on what it is that you do, do you have a case that you might be able to broadly tell us about in the field where you've been dealing with a child that was uh, discriminated against uh, due to their mental health challenge and what you were able to do as a lawyer to help rectify the situation for the family? Okay, great. I've had many cases involving parents uh, or children with disabilities within the school system I've helped many parents who have children elementary school age to get their kids back in school when the kids who had some with autism spectrum disorder were suspended from school. I've had other cases where uh, kids were expelled from school and under the threat of uh, we commenced a lawsuit against the school board for removing the student and the, the thrust of the lawsuit was that uh, the school board was discriminating against the student on the basis of their mental disability, citing the autism spectrum disorder. And then we've, we've uh, filed for injunctions against school boards. And then often, or in every case in my case, prior to the injunction actually being heard, the school board has come to the table and reinstated the, the child back at, back at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we believe one of the reasons for that is that the board knew that at the end of the day, courses would likely find them, uh, their actions as discriminatory. So we've had great success in getting the kids back into school when they've been removed from the school. Uh, other cases involved having a student accommodated within their schools when they have a disability and the school or the school board has marginalized them, uh, taken them out of the regular classroom stream, or uh, simply has not given them any support at all, and assisted, or I've personally assisted no less than probably about 200 students the day of my career, where we were able to file an application of the Ontario, uh, the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario, file an application for, for the school board's failure to accommodate and then negotiating accommodations for the student. And one thing to to recognize is that a great majority of these cases settle because the boards recognize that they perhaps their, their decision did not meet the definition of accommodation under the Human Rights Code, and uh, they came to the table to, to settle and work with parents and the lawyers for the parents to, to put in place the accommodation that the student needs to succeed at school. 
you must hear some really amazing stories about the problems that the parents have come up against before they got to you. Can you expand a little bit on that? They must be so frustrated and some of them must have been doing it for months and years at a time. And at what point is, is there a breaking point that they come to? Do you find uh, that they will finally seek you out? And you're hard to find, first of all, um, and this I'm hoping will uh, help the parents to find you um, uh, a lot easier. I'm going to ask uh, Patrick, he's uh, been gracious enough to say that he will help us with the intro to this next book. But I really believe that parents in this position now in so many, so many ways and for so many reasons are really requiring the Human Rights Tribunal to have their case be heard um, in a lot of different walks of life. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. But sorry, I just went off on a tangent there, guys. Patrick, if you could tell me how, how long does it usually take a parent to come and see you? How frustrated and how many times do they have to bang their head against that wall before they come? Well, from my experience, what, what I see is uh, parents that come see us after they've been butting heads with the school or the school boards for, for usually over a year. First, the parents are, are in disbelief that, that they're actually running into these issues. They assume that the school boards will be more understanding. Um, and most parents, what, what they don't realize is that often at the end of the day, the issue doesn't involve the school board not wanting, not acting in bad faith. It ends up being really a resourcing issue, and the school board not having the resources allocated to them to assist uh, children with the various disabilities that they have. And depending on the disability, uh, the accommodations that they need are very different. So what what we run into is parents that often have had run-ins with school or school boards for over a year. And then they finally come see us because uh, they have no other option. Their son or daughter, in some cases, are suspended from school. In other cases, as I mentioned before, they are removed from the school in order to go to another school or leave the school on disciplinary grounds. In other cases, the student is not meeting the grade, not succeeding in school because they don't have the required accommodations. And the school board is telling the parents we're doing everything that they can and the parents not believing that that is the case and often being correct. Um, so the, the message that I want to send to parents who are struggling with, with disabilities is to find out prior to enrolling your, your son or daughter in the school what resources the school or school board has to assist their daughter or son with their disability. Uh, second, if they start running into issues once the, the student is enrolled in school, they, they should go consult with a lawyer uh, who specializes in human rights to be able to understand what their rights are and what uh, the school board's obligation to accommodate the student, what, what the, the school board's uh, duties are to accommodate the student. And beyond that, to understand how the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal system works because what I see is parents having to some cases, at one juncture, file an application to the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario when their son or daughter is not being accommodated, when their son or daughter is being discriminated against at school, either by administrators or fellow students on the basis of their disability. Didn't know that. When some cases, uh, their son or daughter is, are being are being discriminated at school on the basis of their disability, and the school board is condoning it by doing nothing. In some cases, school or even principals become very frustrated in trying to deal with a student with a disability that uh, what, what I've seen happen is that 
uh, in some cases, uh, the strategy becomes to find a way to potentially discipline the student and have them removed from that specific school and have them bounce to another school so that the quote-unquote problem of, of having a student with a disability that the school can't manage becomes a problem of the neighboring school. And that's a trend we definitely see. So uh, just to, to recap, if a parent has a son or daughter with a disability, one of the best investments would be to consult with a human rights lawyer early uh, when they start experiencing uh, issues, combination issues within the school, or if, if their son or daughter starts being subjected to differential treatment on the basis of their disability within the school, know what your rights are and, um, and know that you have access to the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario. Yeah, talk to me about, we were having a conversation about BITE and what BITE meant and having access to the Human Rights Tribunal and what exactly that BITE means. And I didn't know to that to the extent it's been, today has been a great education for me as well. So if you wouldn't mind expanding on that a little bit, Patrick. Yeah, what's important for parents with kids with disabilities to know is that, especially in Ontario, we're very blessed to have the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario, which is a tribunal that provides individuals who have disabilities the right to file an application before the tribunal for a breach of the Ontario Human Rights Code. And our human rights system in Ontario is one of the strongest in the world, if not the strongest, because our Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario provides individuals who file an application with direct access to a hearing um, if, after they filed an application. What that means is if you file an application at the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario, you then have a right to a hearing, and your, your application won't be vetted so long as you can prove that, that your case involves uh, discrimination, and so long as you have facts supporting that discrimination, you then have a right to, to have your application heard by a tribunal member with expertise in human rights. And uh, if you're able to prove that, uh, that the respondent or the, the party that uh, you're alleging uh, discriminated against your uh, son or daughter, in fact, engaged in discrimination, there are damages that can be awarded and a public decision. The public decision has a deterring effect on companies or school boards, for that matter, that engage in discrimination because they don't want the negative publicity uh, that comes from being a human rights violator. There's also damages that, that can be awarded before the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario, which provides a further deterrent to a school board that's engaged in discrimination. Okay, that's great. At this point, we're going to wrap up our first interview, and I'm going to thank Patrick James so much for joining us today. Parents, please make sure that you heed this advice. Uh, There's going to be some information up on our website that Patrick has uh, graciously given to us. We'll make sure that it goes up there so that you can actually read a little bit more about it. There's a fact sheet, a human rights and mental health fact sheet, uh, from the Ontario Human Rights Commission. Um, And I would like to say... um, Parents, uh, thanks, and um, we will uh, talk to you next time. And I'm just going to um, ask Patrick to come and join us again for our very next episode. So thanks very much, parents, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Different from the Other Kids, made possible with the support of Burlington Fitness and Racket Club. Why go to a gym when you can be part of a club? You can find them online at www. Burlingtonfitness.ca. Music and editing is a product of Among the Crowd Productions. You can hear more at www.amongthecrowd.ca.
We'll see you next week. And now a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on different from the other kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate health care provider.